0: Welcome to the Health Design Podcast. I am your host, Moyas Jiwa. I'm speaking today with Andrew Heaven, a certified financial planner. In June 2000, he established the financial planning practice Wealth Partners Financial Solutions with John Grimshaw in Milsons Point, Sydney, Australia. He joins me today to talk about data from an Australian bank that suggests that almost half of healthcare workers are uncomfortable about the amount. That they have saved and half of the respondents to their survey regularly dip into their savings. The research has found that healthcare workers see bills, rent and mortgage repayments and eating out as the expenses preventing them from saving. Andrew joins me today to discuss the implications of those findings. Welcome to the show, Andrew. We're very pleased to be talking to you today. As you know, a very atypical interview in as much as as I understand it, you're not actually involved in healthcare, but we particularly wanted to talk to you about the research by AMP Bank, which finds that one in five Australians have less than two hundred and fifty dollars in savings.
1: Yes, yeah, so AMP uh, conducted research with a thousand Australians. And the interesting subset that came out of it was really in re- relation to how poor or low the levels of savings were, particularly in the in the medical profession and the health professionals.
0: What do you think are the implications of these findings for, let's say, medical practitioners?
1: There's a range of implications that come out of it. In the first instance, obviously, the studies show that they were below the national averages in terms of savings rates and the, and the quantum of co- cover that they had in place. The other issues around that were, well, as a result of this, what do we do? What are the consequences for that? The implications are that there's a, there's a range of steps that professionals can take, especially in the medical field, in order to uh, arrest this uh, lack of saving, but also make sure that they're making the most of the opportunities that they've got in terms of preparing for the future. In the first instance... I think there has to be a broad recognition that uh, because of the time they spend in study that uh, they are coming to the party somewhat later than their peers in other professions in that they've committed to uh, formalised study for an extended period of time. So in the first instance, what we'd be saying is, well, from a career progression plan for that in that if you're going into private practice, then recognise that um, you need to build your Uh, savings buffers in the context of uh, saving to perhaps buy commercial space or buying rooms or recognising that you'll be coming into this as a self-employed person at some stage in the future. And all this, uh, the origins of all this is really around effective budgeting. So in the first instance, what we'd be saying to uh, the medical professionals is, well, identify what your living expenses are and make sure that you've got a clear understanding of where your money goes, and as, as in the first instance. Now, that often, that is often one of the hardest things clients need to do in financial planning. The next step around that is really prioritizing that expenditure into the must-haves and the like-to-haves. So the idea is, in the first instance, understand where your dollars go. In the second instance, is start to plan in terms of, well, if there is any modification around behavior that uh, they determine exactly what they want to cut or modify.
0: When you talk to young doctors, when they qualify, they think this is now going to be a very lucrative profession that I'm going into. And the the particular the new generation uh, of of any young person, I guess, is to spend a lot more money on consumables, such as meals out, vehicles, expensive rentals, etc., what do you think are the implications of this research for those people?:
1: In terms of the research, it would indicate that uh, there's been very little attention being paid by the professional, by the doctors themselves to actually saving towards those particular goals or aspirational purchases. So if one would indicate it would infer that people are actually making decisions and taking on debt in order to. Fund what is an an aspirational lifestyle. So the ways you combat that are is perhaps uh, build a modicum of uh, patience in terms of recognizing that uh, you do need to build build savings in order to be able to spend. But I think what's not well understood is that, and the research that tends to validate this, is that uh, there are consequences if you don't plan for the future, and that those consequences are that you have. Low savings rates that uh, mean that uh, you have to react to circumstances rather than plan for them.
0: Okay. so what what are the implications for having low saving rates?
1: It means that if there is a change in your circumstances, whether it be through health or employment, that you may be put into a position where you have to react to that. Now, in in its simplest iteration is we'd always say to to, all clients, that they should have an emergency fund. They should build a buffer of savings. And typically, we recommend that uh, that buffer be at least uh, three months' worth of income. Mm. The additional portion to that is that if you think about when you buy a home, you don't pay cash for your home um, because, frankly, no one has that amount of savings. And you have to recognize that you need to borrow money in order to do that. Maintaining an income in the event that you can't work for an extended period of time, it is exactly the same process. And what we would say is, well, you would put in place income protection or salary continuance such that if you are work off work for a period of more than, say, three months, uh, that that income continues. Because let's face it, for a, uh, an aspiring medical professional, their greatest asset is their ability to earn an income. So the first thing we'd say is build an emergency fund. The second one is have appropriate levels of insurance in place, such that if something from left field does come about, that uh, their income is still coming in the door. The third one is that we all recognise that uh, in the in recent history we've had two rate cuts by the Reserve Bank of Australia, which means that uh, savings rates or interest rates on cash at bank or deposit institutions are at historical lows. Therefore, it's harder for those seeking to to fund lifestyle through investing to generate the compounding returns of bank interest example, for example. So therefore, they're forced to seek out other alternatives. But what's interesting around that is that we haven't seen the same cut in rates on uh, loans or or lending as such. So, so that, uh, for example, you mentioned cars or consumables. So, therefore, the rates on car loans or, or personal loans or credit card are still proportionally high compared to the comparison rates on what you get on savings. Or putting it another way, if you end up in debt, the costs to you around cash flow are are, are absolutely um, abhorrent compared to – so, in other words, I guess it really what it means is that you've got to put more effort into saving in order to pay down debt because the cost of that debt is prohibitive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of doctors starting out in their careers think you know my ability to earn is my greatest asset, and therefore and that's something that is going to keep me afloat for many many years and yet here you are talking about things like insurance, having the emergency fund, income protection, and in uh, and really, you're describing the situation where somebody who's got a modest early income is going to have a very is going to need to have a very modest lifestyle. Is that what you're suggesting?
1: No, not necessarily. I mean, uh, after 30 years in practice, I've given up telling people where to spend their money. (laughs) But what what I have done is said that, look, to enable you to be in a position where you're making choices that are aligned to what you're trying to achieve, it is critical that you understand and have control of your finances. We often talk to clients about getting financially fit, And what we mean by that is doing the basics and getting the the, the basics of, or even think of it like hygiene. We call it financial hygiene. So get the basics right so that you're at least set up to enable yourself to have choices because uh, it's about being nimble. It's about being flexible. But if you're not careful, then you'll end up in a position where you, you limit your choices going forward.
0: Looking at the research from AMP they're suggesting that healthcare professionals are more spendthrift than other professionals. Is that right?
1: At the um, at the medical professional level, I, I think that they're a um, an attractive market segment to those manufacturers or those who are, are looking to encourage people to spend money. And all, uh, if you're talking about luxury goods or, or aspirational purchases as well, I think there's a great temptation, uh, especially if they've come out of an environment where. Money has been tight because uh, they've been studying, etc. But I'd also argue that uh, those that work in uh, the medical profession, but uh, may not be um, tertiary educated, it can be somewhat of a struggle in that uh, wage wages do lag the um, the median average, well, the average, and. One of the challenges we face around that is that um, the cash flow is not there, so they've got to be smart with the cash flow that they do have available to them. Mm.
0: So developing a financial literacy is critical, I, I imagine, coming particularly coming straight out of somewhere like a med med school.
1: Indeed, and, and sooner rather than later, because the, the earlier you start your journey around getting good financial habits, the easier it is for you to actually uh, modify behaviour without massive changes. So but by way of example, if you've come out of an environment where say you were eating out four nights a week and you recognize that you needed to modify your behavior to one night a week, well, it's a hell of a lot easier to go from say four to three as opposed to four to one. So the the advantage of starting the journey earlier is you give yourself a lot, a, a much larger runway, so to speak, in order to to make those changes. Uh, and also your, your time period, because your time period is longer. That modification of behaviour has a you've got a greater opportunity to modify it over a longer period of time.
0: Yeah, and in general terms, for for people who have been doing this for some years, I mean, particularly healthcare professionals who now find themselves having fewer choices. What does that actually look like?
1: Well, effectively, you paint you paint yourself into a corner in that uh, you're either working to play catch-up on what for past indiscretions, or you're actually modifying your expectations of lifestyle for the future. So let me just unpack that one a little bit more for you, Moise. So if we think about a primary long-term goal as retirement and financial independence, if your focus has been on immediate gratification or immediate expenditure needs, whether it be um, paying off a mortgage or or a lifestyle, or funding kids' education, or things like that. If you focused on that and and, um, ignored the longer-term retirement savings piece, well, one of three things occurs. One is you you have to make a decision that you haven't got enough in the bucket for the future, so therefore you're not in a position to retire when you choose to, so therefore you're working because you have to, as opposed to working because you choose to. The other option is that you reach the point where you really can't work anymore uh, or you, you're, you're in a position which you, through health or circumstances, that you can't, so therefore you need to cut your expectations of lifestyle into retirement. Now, that's a very tough thing to do because you've worked your entire life and you want to have what you want to have when you want to have it. Or, or the third option around that is that it's you, you leave less of a legacy for the rest of your family or you continue to work, albeit uh, perhaps on a locum basis, whilst your peers and your your, your mates might be out uh, having a jolly old time in retirement. And we see that quite a lot. I've, I've got a number of um, uh, medical practitioners that are clients that uh, work well past 65, and, and I recognize and respect that. But as I say, there's a marked difference between working because you choose to work and you get professional satisfaction out of working as opposed to having no choice but to work because you haven't done the hard yards in terms of setting yourself up for the future.
0: Yeah. I think that's probably the critical point in our interview in the sense that what you're saying is that people who find themselves in that position find themselves working potentially in circumstances that they don't particularly enjoy anymore.
1: Correct. Correct. Yeah, so they've lost control of the um, of their planning, and I'm not. And uh, what I mean by that is that they they're limiting their options. They've painted themselves into that corner where they have limited alternatives. So, for example, if they're looking for shifts to work, it could be that they're working Sundays in medical centres as a GP or, or whatever the circumstances may be.
0: You know, there was a time, Andrew, that not that long ago, maybe a couple of generations ago, where a career in medicine effectively made you financially secure for life and, and able to have the lifestyle you wanted almost from day one. Uh, and this was, of course, pre the time when medical education has become very expensive. That's no longer the case, and we now find ourselves no, not necessarily in the front row, but in the cheaper seats.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree with that sentiment, I, I, and that's why... From my perspective as a practitioner working with, as a financial planning practitioner working with um, with doctors, we try to get the habits and the foundations set as early as practical and also build timelines out around working life and also what are these key milestones. And um, and then also, there's also the other aspects to it, which is, well, there's there's a range of tax planning opportunities that are presented to medical professionals that the government's view on it is well: use it or lose it. And but that's a broader issue for society as well. In that, uh, you know, there's a uh, there's a considerable increase in self determination on where it was perhaps two generations ago. Whereby, these days, you you are self empowered to make your own choices, which which is fine as long as you actually start addressing them early in the piece.
0: Yeah, you know, the the grim thing, I guess, from uh, from the Australian point of view is that properties become so much more expensive. There was a time when you would be wanting to buy properties in the best suburb uh, as a young medical practitioner. That's becoming increasingly difficult, isn't it? Because as you say, income is not keeping up on the one hand. And on the other hand, we also have to plan to be very frugal early in, the, in our careers so that when we, we are able to retire uh, under the age of 65, if, that, if that's something that most people would want.
1: Yeah, I think um, there's the medical professionals that I've worked with recently, especially young younger graduates or or those coming into their forties. You, you're right; they aspire to a particular geography of of where they want to live, et cetera, But they just have to be smarter around how they do it, and it, it often comes down to distilling it down to to basic maths. In that, uh, you know, there's there's only so much money in the bucket, and you've got to utilise that money in the bucket in order to be able to achieve this stuff, and but that's a broader question and a broader issue for the entire community, really, isn't? Well, where do we allocate this precious resource, which is called cash flow? And you, if you want the European car and you want to have that uh, lifestyle of eating out on a regular basis, then that comes at a cost, and that cost may be that you may not be retiring when you, went to, when you want to, or you may not be living in the suburb that uh, ticks your uh, aspirational boxes.
0: Yes. Uh, we've heard a lot about the medical profession. Where, which profession do you think is doing best?
1: Uh, in terms of saving for the future? Um, the engineering, um, those involved in engineering seem to be quite attuned to it, but I think a lot of it is also that they've perhaps had a disproportionate uh, growth in, uh, in wage income because of demand, um, especially around mining and infrastructure. But also... They come from a position whereby their training is around problem solving, and if you can at least get get them to identify that there is a problem that needs solving, then at least they put their mind to it. I think one of the biggest issues for the medical profession really is that the generation of medical professionals that have gone before, who have been able to uh, have their cake and eat it to some extent, uh, they had good cash flow when they came out of university. They didn't have debt uh, tertiary debt and they were also moving into suburbs that perhaps were a lot more affordable than they were now than they are now but that's the past that's not the future we we uh, are planning for and we've got to just make the most of what we can in the current context that we've got so there's a couple of key things that uh talking with medical profession professionals i I would be saying to them is really focus on their um their goals and set short medium long-term goals but uh I think uh, once you've set your goals, then you've got to cost those goals out and say, okay, well, look, this is what it's going to cost me over a one to three year period, uh, five to 10 years, and then the lifetime piece. And then you start treating the savings like a bill. So we talk about pay yourself first. Well, pay yourself first means that you're provisioning these monies for whatever those particular goals might be. Then it's really a question in making sure that you're uh, investing for those goals in the appropriate investments to the timeframe. So, for example, if they're long-term goals, well, you should be in a position to take risk, i.e. whether it be to buy property or whether it be to um, for your superannuation, invest in shares, et cetera. But if your goal is that you want to have your own professional rooms in five to 10 years, well, obviously that time frame's a little bit different. So therefore, the, where you invest looks different for that. The other is that um, the only debt that you really shouldn't be focusing on paying off quickly is your hex debt you should be getting rid of debt as quickly as you practically can. You can't service a credit card debt at 16% and expect to fund savings when you're earning 1% on that. That's crazy. You need to build your emergency funds. You need to have a, um, a buffer in place. And as I mentioned before, you have to have appropriate levels of insurance. The other point around that is you really need to use the government legislation and benefits to assist you in savings. So for example, superannuation guarantee contributions. If you're earning, if you're a union, you're earning under $40,000 a year. If you put $1,000 into super, the government will put in about $500 to you, so into your super. So it's these opportunities where we say use it or lose it, use those advantages. Um, If you're going to be a principal carer for kids in the future and you're going to have a disrupted work history, well then plan for that for the future. Recognize that you're not going to have the cash flow coming in at particular times if you're going to be the stay-at-home carer. So you've got to address these issues and determine what's, you understand what the issue is, therefore plan for that issue and uh, make sure you're not blindsided for it.
0: There's a couple of things I've taken away from this. Your phrase, use it or lose it, is fantastic in the sense that there are opportunities for us to make savings almost painlessly where we you know using the legislation that's available, particularly here in Australia. That's number one. Number two is really the idea that as medical professionals, we should now be thinking very differently from a couple of generations ago, where we were not necessarily going to live in the better suburbs, driving the European car, as you put it, and having our foreign holidays, as it were, having our cake and eating it. We are living in very different times.
1: If those things are important to you, I have no objection to aspiring to achieve it, but You've got to fit, fit that into the um, into the menu of other object, objectives that you've got, and just recognise that um, you, you can't, as I said, you can't have your cake and eat it. So it, it might be that it, uh, you may not be living in the same style of house as you would be in a particular suburb, but that you can certainly live in that suburb if, if that's what you choose. But you've got to, you have responsibility for planning for that for yourself in the timeframes that you've got.
0: Andrew, thank you very much.
1: My pleasure. Take care.
0: Thank you. The Journal of Health Design. Better health by design. Visit us at thejournalofhealthdesign.com.